Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and we're still talking preseason basketball on the DBB podcast. Ben Gulker helps soothe my fears around Blake Griffin's health. We talk about the Pistons' rumored interest in Frank Nilakina, and then I play devil's advocate on Detroit keeping Christian Wood. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this upcoming season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Laz, I'm doing good, but I gotta say, uh, Derek Rose, pull-up mid-range jumpers, Andre Drummond shooting threes, Joe Johnson taking shots in the clutch. Man, I don't know if I'm ready for this season. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I got to every time D Rose pulls up for like an 18 footer, I got to remind myself that Ish would do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So obviously uh preseason's not done yet. We got a game uh we got a game Monday and I think we got a game Tuesday. So back to back to close the preseason and then the season starts 10 days from now on the 23rd. Uh but uh I guess what I really wanted to talk about was something that you didn't even bring up. Uh, to start was that uh, Blake's health has been like of, of great concern to me during this preseason. He didn't play Friday, so we didn't get a chance to to look at him and see what he looked like on, on that occasion. But when he's played so far this preseason to me, he's not looked hurt, but he doesn't look fully healthy either. Uh, it was pointed out to me on Twitter that, you know, he's wearing the knee sleeve and he only uh, he allegedly only wears the knee sleeve when he feels like there's something, uh, you know, wrong or, or unstable. Uh, but you remember like last preseason when he was like still trying to like dunk on Jared Allen and he got Jared Allen like one time, like we're not, we're not seeing any more of that. Uh, he had a couple of open lanes against, uh, against Dallas that he laid up like, re- like legitimately like uh, where occasions where I was surprised he, he doesn't, he didn't dunk and he, he didn't take the opportunity to dunk. And so, uh, you know, it, this to me points out the points out the the value of rest. But uh, Ben, am I am I going crazy? Am I paranoid? What, what, how do you, how are you feeling about the way Blake's played, played this preseason? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna choose optimism here because I don't I don't think you're wrong to be suspicious. I think the uh, the knee brace slash sleeve, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, we didn't see that all of last season. So there's, there's reason to be maybe questioning that a little bit, but, you know, I'm going to choose not to be w- too worried, but I'm going to choose to think right now until there's really good reason to think otherwise, uh, is that Blake Griffin knows it's the preseason and that the franchise understands that there's no question about what a healthy Blake Griffin can do for this team. So there's, there's really not a huge benefit to playing him hard and playing him many minutes, get him enough ref reps to get, you know, the kinks out and to, to get the rust off. But 
what you really need to find out about this team is who are the guys named not named Blake Griffin and what are they going to do for this team? Because, because you know what Blake's going to do for you. So right now I'm going to, I'm just going to choose to be optimistic. I'm going to say that that, um, that knee sleeve, that knee brace is an abundance of caution. I'm going to say that uh, they're resting Blake so that they can get guys like Thon Maker and Christian Wood a whole lot of reps so they can maybe start to figure out who they're going to go to at the backup center position long term. Uh, and, and don't forget Joe Johnson. They want to get him some minutes at uh, <laughs> power forward crunch time. So uh, that's how I'm going to think about it right now. And uh, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be super disappointed, but I'm not ready to be disappointed yet, I don't think. No, that's totally fair. It's just, and the thing that, I have to keep remembering is that like, even if this is something to be concerned about, it's not like Blake Griffin when he was playing in December or January was an ineffective player, right? Like that guy was still, like, yeah, that guy was still really good. It was just, you, you couldn't, you can't finish the season like that. And so I'm hopeful that this gives them a pause and license to, to rest Blake more often. We did see what a uh, Blake list, uh, starting group looks like it uh it looks kind of like it needs a little bit more offensive punch <laughs> it looks like it needs Blake Griffin <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> but uh but yeah it, it, but they managed to pull it out and it, it seems as if uh there there won't be and there won't be uh too many occasions in which we won't see Blake well let me let me uh throw out an analogy uh the youngins may not be able to track with me completely here but I kind of fell down a YouTube rabbit hole a couple times this weekend um, while I was rocking my son to sleep, which is a whole other story. But um, I ended up watching um, Michael Jordan highlights over the course of his career from when he was a you know high flyer coming out of North Carolina to sort of the, the, the way that he played against the Utah Jazz in the, the sixth championship that he won. And the way that his game evolved from relying so heavily on athleticism to outsmarting guys and getting just a smidge of an advantage on his fadeaway jumper kind of reminds me of the transformation that Blake Griffin has made. Now, obviously Blake's not the player Michael Jordan is. I don't mean to say that, but that's what I was thinking of when I was watching those highlights was, you know, Blake Griffin is approaching that time in his career where he's never going to have the hops that he had, but he's developed a handful of things in his offensive game that make him a nightmare to deal with in spite of that fact. So, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that this is abundance of caution. We're not going to run Blake hard because we, we don't need to. We don't need to win these games, and we're going to let Blake be Blake when the time comes. All right. Let me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, absorb your caution and, uh, and your positivity and not dwell on this. Uh, <laughs> What's the oh the next thing we want to talk about was uh, Vince Ellis of the Detroit Free Press who uh, does not make a he does not say things lightly and he's not a guy who uh, spreads things that he's not actually hearing. Um, he tweeted out that the he was hearing that the Pistons had some interest in Frank Nilakina, the point guard uh, from New York. Uh, ben, did, did this make any sense to you? All right, Laz, I'm going to need you to talk me into this one, if it does make sense, because uh, honestly, I'm not seeing it. So I'm going to let you have a shot at persuading me, but here's what I see right now. On paper, um, obviously, we're talking about a very young player. He spent his first two seasons in sort of a dumpster fire of an organization and situation. Um, But we're talking about a guy who offensively, he just can't throw the ball in the ocean. 
Um, I know we're talking about a lot of athleticism and all that other kind of stuff, but this year we finally have a roster where we look like we might have some shooting preseason uh, shooting droughts aside. We might have some shooting at the, the three perimeter positions. I don't know how much sense it makes to bring in a super young guy who can't shoot. So I'm lukewarm on this one, Laz. What do you think? So I understand if, if I'm reading this correctly, I understand why the Pistons would be interested. If uh, Frank Nilkina is French, he played on the French FIBA team uh, this past world cup. And so if you're looking for a guy to help facilitate uh, Svi's or not Svi, Seku's development, Having another guy on the roster who speaks who speaks French, his native language, uh, might be of interest. Um, having a guy who uh, who has been in the NBA and has had some success on the, on the world stage, uh, kind of tra- not translating, but like helping uh, helping Seku like get the, kind of the rhythms of an NBA locker room is something I could see and understand. Like when when I think about it in the context of like okay. Maybe they brought in Joe Johnson to be a mentor to Seku, um, but it turns out like what Seku doesn't really need a mentor per se. He needs a contemporary, someone to help him. Uh, or Joe understands the rhythms of a, of an NBA locker room, but he can't really get along with somebody who's like twenty years his junior, right? Like, I, and I, I can believe that as a as a uh, as a situation. And so, you know, if that's the case, Nilakina is a guy that uh, fits that role, who is he's probably the most obtainable. Well, no, I mean, like, there are other free agent guys out there. Nando DiColo, I think the Toronto Raptors still own his rights somewhere. You could, you could maybe trade for his rights, uh, but he seems to be pretty happy playing in Spain. Um, Nicolas Batum is another French guy. Uh, Michael Jordan would probably, like, love to not pay that guy $25 million, but... That also that giant salary also makes him pretty difficult to trade for equitably. Um, I was looking at I was like just seriously googling French players, <laughs> and uh, it's like Elia Kobo, who's another like youngish uh, point guard out of France, but uh, yeah, he's not nearly the uh, defensive player or um, the the proven uh, the proven one way talent that, that Nilakina has. And so I, I get why maybe this doesn't make as much sense on a basketball level as it makes sense on like a, a business like player player development level um I, frank nilakina the player is like you said has like just really struggled to contribute offensively throughout his nba career the stuff he did in fiba this uh, past summer leads some people to believe that um he's taking like that that third year leap uh, i would like to see if that were true before we traded for him but uh but he he's uh He's interesting. He would be much more interesting if they didn't have Bruce Brown on the roster, a guy I think who um, he's like essentially a, a duplicate of. Yeah, the Pistons don't need another guard, right? Like <laughs> Stefanski knows we can't exceed like 21 players or whatever it is, right? <laughs> like we don't need more guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but this does like the trade rumor coming out when it did, like right before the game, did kind of it uh, triggered my like spidey senses. Yeah. It was like if we've we've talked about how uh, or I've talked about at least how I, I think, you know, Joe was brought in to be a mentor for Seku. And now they're talking about bringing in a guy who it would make a lot of sense to to bring next to Seku. Like maybe that pushes Joe Johnson out the door like that. That could be a possibility and a possibility. I think 
uh, you and other Pistons fans might might be excited by. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not going to stand in the way of uh, getting rid of Joe Johnson. I can tell you that for sure. You what? Uh, you didn't like his uh, his game clinching floater down the stretch of against uh, Cleveland? Floater, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh so to talk about guys who are kind of on the roster's fringe uh one guy didn't play at all in the in the game against the cleveland cavaliers and a guy who i think people people have been clamoring to see more of and, and that was Kyrie thomas uh ben what what do we make of Kyrie thomas uh seeing precious little time during the preseason when you're supposed to be playing all 15 guys well this has to mean he's the odd man out right like i mean it's hard for me to come up with any other answer to that question because um, we saw Frazier, we saw V, we've seen a lot of Christian Wood, right? So those other fringe guys who you might think aren't going to make the roster, they've all played and they've actually all done some nice things, Christian Wood in particular. So uh, I don't know, to me, the writing's on the wall. Um, you know, Kyrie's probably not going to be wearing a Pistons uniform for the entirety of this season if if he even gets to the start of the regular season at all are you are you worried that he'd be more uh Spencer Dinwiddie or more like Darren Hilliard well (laughs) you know there's also Chris Middleton to think about too which true oh that hurts to even think about as well um you know I haven't seen from Kyrie the the level of raw talent that I saw particularly in Dinwiddie who gosh man I wish we could have a mulligan on him um, so I guess I lean more towards Hilliard but I know you're more a fan of of Thomas than I've been um, so so tell me why I'm wrong about that uh, I, he he's such a natural fit uh, next to a guy like a Luke Kennard who is a guy who can just move off the ball uh, make open spot up shots uh, but also defend the other team's best uh, guard. You know, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly that's, that, right. That's the thing. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, even in summer league, right? Like when he and Bruce were playing on the floor together, Bruce drew all the the tough, quote unquote, tough summer league assignments. Bruce was the one guarding, you know, your Anthony Simons and your, uh, your uh, oh man, the Holiday brother from Indiana. I don't know, man. Justin. No, it's Aaron. Aaron. Okay, there we I go. I don't know the first names, man. <laughs> That's asking way too much. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, but Bruce was drawing those harder assignments and Kyrie was wasn't, you know, guarding those guys. And it makes you it makes you wonder why the coaching staff like wasn't even giving Kyrie a shot on on those guys that he's, you know, supposed to be uh able to guard at the at the NBA level. And, you know, he's played way way less than even than even like a Svi Mikhailuk, a guy who you know is in was in the same draft class is you would think is kind of in the same position as Kyrie they, they traded for both of those guys you would think they value them them equally but uh Svi has actually played in the preseason he's had a couple shots had some nice dunks and and Kyrie just hasn't gotten a chance to to show that yet um it it's just uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's quite Dinwiddie level. To your point, he every time we've seen him at the NBA level, he's looked uh, effective, but not like you haven't seen any like flashes of like star potential or anything like that. Um, and and the ways in which his offensive game is limited is uh, it doesn't like it doesn't lend itself to him getting more playing time. Like if he could create his for himself a little bit more, you could see playing him instead of like a Tim Frazier 
or um, if he was just like a really, if he was a much more like lethal off ball shooter, you could see playing him over like a, you you'd see playing him instead of like a, a Langston Galloway down the stretch of like a preseason game. Right. But you know, even again, like even down down the stretch of a of a close game against the Cavaliers in preseason, where your closing lineup is like Joe Johnson and Christian Wood and Thonmaker, like he, he's Kyrie still can't see the floor, and I I think that does kind of tell you that he's on the way out. Now we'll say like per our earlier conversation, you can't trade Kyrie Thomas straight up for Frank Nilakina. Frank makes too much money, and so um. And I don't know where you trade Kyrie. There's only a couple teams. There's only one team, I believe, with both the cap space and the roster spot to absorb him, and that's Atlanta. And so I, I don't really know. I, I don't know how necessarily you uh, get Kyrie out of town, but uh, it does kind of seem like he, he's the odd man out right now. So what, what else have you liked from the Pistons' first three preseason, preseason games, Ben? Yeah, so I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Christian Wood has to make the roster. There's no way around that fact. The Pistons need a backup center, um, and they have one in Christian Wood, who certainly has some limitations. Uh, no way around that. But to me, he does some really excellent things that you'd want your backup center to do. Um, and I think he even has a little bit of offensive versatility uh, that could potentially be very useful. Uh, in certain matchups. So I'm a big Christian Wood fan. Uh, to me, the most intriguing pickup of the summer remains Christian Wood. What I've seen from him in the preseason sort of confirms that for me. I think you absolutely have to keep him. Um, the other things, you know, I would mention from the preseason, the Luke Kennard, Derek Rose backcourt, and, and kudos, Laz, you have called this, you know, you called this months ago, literally, right, when the Pistons first picked up Derek Rose. There's a real chemistry there. Um, they complement each other much better than I had realized. And again, as you definitely saw this, um, I've loved some of the things Derek Rose has said about Luke Kennard. Um, some of that came up in the broadcast the other night with the Cavs. You know, Derek saying Luke doesn't realize how good he is yet. Right? That's something as fans of Luke Kennard, um, yeah, absolutely. We've seen a lot of his hesitation and a lot of his um, sort of, you know, just just getting the yips, really, passing on wide-open shots, not shooting off the dribble when he should. Um, Derrick Rose never had that problem. Uh, so maybe Derrick Rose becomes sort of an unexpected and unlikely mentor that brings some things out uh, in Luke Kennard's game. And Derrick Rose, you know, we've, we've talked about his past, and maybe we don't ever need to talk about it again, but what he's done on the court so far uh, has me pretty excited about his game. Uh, he, you know, his scoring is still, you know, just basically a barely above league average. He's never going to be a hyper-efficient guy. But again, he's replacing Ish Smith, right? And he's just leaps and bounds better and, and more consistent and more reliable than Ish Smith. And I think he brings a level of dynamism to the second unit that we really haven't had in a very long time. And, and I think you can go up and down the roster and kind of say everybody who's played uh, has done something to make a case for themselves. And I think that's maybe Langston Galloway, not so much, but pretty much everyone else. You mentioned Svi. I think we've seen some um, bits of athleticism that I wasn't necessarily expecting that put back dunk against Cleveland, for example. He had a real nice uh, sort of off the dribble drive and dunk against Cleveland as well. So I, I think we've seen uh, lots of stuff, especially in offense from, from most of the guys who have played that 
you know, they acquitted themselves pretty well. I don't know. What are you seeing, Laz, that you like this preseason? So I'm, I'm liking that Luke and I is playing more aggressive. And I think what you said uh, about Derek Rose saying that Luke and didn't know how good he was, uh, I, that definitely helps when you have a guy who's experienced what Derek Rose has experienced at the NBA level saying that. But I, I really think like this is something Luke kind of had to figure out for himself, right? This is something yeah. he had to make his own determination on. And just seeing him be more aggressive, more willing to take these like step back mid range shots that that he knows he can get to, uh, more willing to to flash uh, the footwork around the basket that we that we know he employs because of uh, his uh, his lack of athleticism, his like straight line run jump athleticism. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I, that's the thing I think that's been really exciting. Like Luke looking like a legitimate weapon off the bench is something that uh, you know alongside Derrick Rose is something we we haven't really seen. Um, the bench hasn't been a weapon for the Pistons in a very long time. Yeah. It's been a big liability. Yeah. yeah having that would be, would be huge. Um, the other thing I, I saw that I enjoyed uh, that I think no one, no one, I don't know if anyone else really saw it. And I, I only really noticed it when I was watching the, uh, the replay was uh, Reggie Jackson had not had like an amazing stretch of, uh, of play for the first couple of preseason games. And then in the third quarter against Cleveland, he, uh, without Blake Griffin, like on the floor and uh, with the Pistons needing to get back in the game, he had a, he had a really nice stretch of uh, offensive play uh, for Detroit in that third quarter. And a lot of it was coming in the pick and roll. It was a lot of like uh, vintage, quote unquote, vintage uh, Reggie Jackson, um, you know, arm barring people, uh, getting <laughs> Matthew Della Vadova in jail and like finishing over Tristan Thompson. Um, getting the defense to commit and and throwing Dre a lob, um, you know, finishing around the rim with both hands, finishing in transition, which is uh, something that we actually haven't seen from Reggie uh, in the past couple of years, and so and so seeing this, seeing that was uh, exciting to me because you know as we know, Reggie has always been very important to this team when he's able to play, and so uh, seeing that was nice. But I want to I want to go back a little bit to something you said though. I want to take the uh, devil's advocate position against Christian Wood, because I know, because I know this is something that you and other people are, um, are saying, and I'm, I'm trying to mentally brace myself for the possibility that he gets cut. Yeah. And just the, when, even, uh, even in the game against Orlando, when he was much more effective, like from a statistical standpoint, you could see there were opportunities where, or there were times when like the team was like, uh, directing him defensively. Uh, you can see there are times when he he's uh, like ostensibly guarding someone, but he's not really challenging their shot. He's not making their, their shots any difficult, um, whether that's like out of the triple threat or whether that's guys like posting him up. Uh, in the fourth quarter against Cleveland, he had a stretch where like Chris or uh, Tristan Thompson was just like throwing hook shots in his face for like multiple <laughs> yeah. possessions. Yes, that's true. I give you that. And to me, that's the type of thing that I know would drive a Dwayne Casey crazy. And so it makes sense to me that despite, you know, despite the athleticism, despite his ability to finish around the rim, uh, despite his uh, potential ability to even stretch the floor a little bit, like if you're a big man who can't guard the rim, like I I understand why Dwayne Casey doesn't want you. Like I still want you. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, but I understand why, why Dwayne wouldn't. I hear you. I think, so here's, I can see three alternatives, right? So you've got Markeith Morris as viable alternative. Um, I don't like that option a whole lot. You've got, 
you've got Thonmaker as a viable alternative on the roster, right? Yeah, I, I don't love that. He he did some nice things last season. He did some really crappy things last season. So I'm not in love with that. The option we really haven't seen yet is is Blake Griffin, right? So Blake Griffin, the small ball five in crunch time, makes a lot of sense to me. But then we sort of bump up against the thing that you sort of led the podcast, which is which is his durability and his health. I don't know how much you want to be putting Blake Griffin into um, – backup center responsibilities. So when you give me those four options, right, throw Christian Wood back into the mix, um, to me, he's clearly the guy you want to have on the roster, even if as a coach, you're not comfortable playing him more than, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game because you need a big body who can rebound, right? Your defense, yes, going to suffer a little bit. I think you're absolutely correct about that you got to have a big guy, right? Like, I mean, you got to have a backup big man. And I'm not sure other than the three guys who are on the roster that I talked about, like where are the Pistons going to get that guy? No, I, I definitely think relying on Markeith Morris or Blake Griffin to play center minutes is just like not going to work out for you regardless. And so I, I agree. I just wanted to take, I just yeah. wanted to tease yeah. it out a little bit. Yeah. Actually, that that kind of brings me to something that uh, I noticed during the fourth quarter of the uh, of the Cleveland game. Ben, what did you think of the uh, Don Maker Christian Wood pairing playing them at the same time? You know what's interesting about that is it's not just the Don Maker Christian Wood pairing that intrigues me. It's also is there any scenario where you can play Christian Wood at the four? Does his ability to to stretch the floor out a little bit? give you some intriguing possibilities with the second unit. You could throw Marquise Morris into that mix. You could throw Blake Griffin into that mix. If you have a guy like Christian Wood, who's at least a threat from the outside, even if you don't want to take on a lot of shots. Okay. So you could potentially have five three point shooters on the floor at the same time, which is what, you know, I've been hoping for since the Pistons signed John Luer, like this, this vaporware stretch five possibility. I'm super intrigued by that. Um, Yes, defensively, which is the point I know you're thinking about. It's a little bit scary, especially Thon and Christian Wood together. I have no idea how I feel about that. But I, I don't know. It's at least interesting offensively. What do you think? The When they played together against Cleveland, uh, the thing I liked the most was actually Thon's energy on the, uh, on the defensive glass went up a lot. It's like Don was actually grabbing rebounds for the first time all preseason <laughs> when he was put up against the guy he's fighting for his job against. Like, but sure, uh, sure. but putting those guys together, I do think uh, it makes you much longer than uh, you normally are in in the front court. Um, if you if Wood does a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the boxing out, a lot of the clearing guys out, I think that makes Don. Uh, Kind of like we talk about like advantage scoring, but uh, if Christian Wood's doing all the boxing out, Thon Maker can be like an, an, an advantage rebounder, which uh, would make him more effective. Um, we saw we we I think there are like situations where Wood can play the four. We saw Wood play alongside Andre Drummond, and that uh, you nah, he was spacing the floor. He was like flashing out to three and uh, playmaking a little bit, but. Uh, you'd need to run like the DHO game a little harder with him, I think. And that's something I think they would deem more, uh, need more practice with. That's why you got to keep him on the roster. You need more practice with this stuff. There you go. But, uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm intrigued by a Thon Christian Wood pairing, especially because I think that, you know, were Blake, were something to happen to Blake, 
Uh, it appears like really apparent that like Markeith Morris would just step into that starting spot. And instead of running uh, three big men with uh, Markeith, Andre, and Thon, I think it would be beneficial to all three of those guys to have an additional guy on the roster, uh, to have Christian Wood there as a as another pairing. And in that case, um, Thon is just hopefully taking on the the tougher defensive assignment and just playing with like his normal uh, intensity and aggressiveness. And uh, Christian Wood is just being a more effective, uh, dynamic offensive player, and like hopefully that's how that pairing goes. But uh, I, I do have hopes that 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 works, and that the coaching staff thinks that works, and that's why they keep Christian on the roster. <laughs> yeah, and I think the point that you hinted at here is we're going to see some load management for Blake Griffin, and, and so to me, you just absolutely need that big guy more than you need like a, a fourth shooting guard. So to me you got to have Christian Wood on the roster. Yeah. All right. That was uh, what, what, So what what haven't we liked so far in the preseason, Ben? Yeah. All right. So uh, three-point shooting. Oh, my goodness. I was so looking forward to seeing uh, some floor spacing and some dynamic three-point shooting. And really, we've only had uh, one out of three games where anybody's been able to throw it in the ocean. Um, the flip side of that coin is there have been a lot of open shots. Part of that's probably preseason basketball, but I think at least some of it is system as well. You know, Casey's system generated a lot of looks last season. It appears to be generating a lot of open three point looks this season. And, you know, three games is not enough of a sample side to be concerned about, but uh, yeah, the three point shooting has been pretty abysmal so far. Uh, and then team defense, again, part of this is probably team defense because we've seen a couple fourth quarters where defense has been able to lock it down. Uh, and we've seen some sort of come from behind wins and some exciting play in the fourth quarter. But uh, yeah, I mean, last podcast, I talked about wanting to sort of go all in offensively and really see what this team could do. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I sort of got my wish in the wrong way uh, in that they forgot how to play defense, at least for at least for the first three quarters. So um, I have to think that part of this is just the preseason because we've definitely seen uh, some lockdown stuff in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, those are the two things that stand out as much as anything can stand out uh, in the preseason so far. Some weird rotations, but I'm not going to call that a negative necessarily because I think this is the first best time, excuse me, to experiment. I don't know, Laz, what are you seeing that uh, maybe gives you a little cause for concern so far? The the shooting has also given me concern. Um, and that's they they shot like extremely poorly uh, from distance against Cleveland, and I don't think that'll hold necessarily long term. Luke Kennard had like three or four threes that got wiped out by uh, offensive foul calls. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, the referees were not uh, they were not letting anything off ball kind of slide in the, the way I think they will in the regular season. And so I, I hope that was an was an atypical result, but that's only you know only one of three samples that we have to draw from. Um, the but I think I think the the your two issues that you brought up the team defense and the three point shooting are kind of interrelated, right? If the if the shots are falling, if these threes are falling, they're able to kind of set up the defense and uh, keep pace with teams a little bit better. Um, and and if the shots are falling, it, the the defense looks better and feels better you know um yeah absolutely the other thing that i've uh, seen was uh i was expecting i don't know why i was just expecting a little bit more from markeith morris uh, in his starting role um he's made a couple threes he's uh 
he's had some uh he's had some of those uh morris brother uh you know turnaround uh fadeaway jumpers that uh <laughs> that they both shoot identically but uh i don't know I, he wasn't he wasn't necessarily like a, a ball hog or anything in Washington, but he was definitely a guy who was aggressive and hunting for his own offense. And I didn't feel like that was the case uh, in Detroit, you know, especially in the game he started. Um, I figured uh, that was part of the reason why they, they, the team liked him as a Blake replacement, because he's a guy who would be much less efficient than Blake, but would still kind of play that role in the starting lineup of, of hunting his own shot. Um the other thing I haven't really liked is uh, is the uh, the Andre Drummond emphasis on facing up and attacking the basket. Um, <laughs> this is something like this isn't even like discount the three pointers. The three pointers are whatever. Like I'm not going to worry about that. That's preseason. Um, but uh, in the face ups are in fact better than the the post ups. Uh, but at the same, t- and Andre has like Andre has improved his passing out of the face ups. Um, especially like there were times he was, uh, he was hitting cutters and, and, uh, when, uh, when Blake didn't play against Cleveland. And so people were excited about that. But, uh, to me, that's always been a change up, not a fastball, right? That's not something you can, can, can always rely on. Um, Andre has a tendency to stare guys down if he's going to pass the ball to him. And that's something that, uh, if you play like that, if you play in that style for 20 games, teams are going to pick up on that. And then, uh, the other thing is like, if he's not going to pass, he's going to shoot. And uh, he looks very uh, robotic. You can tell these are moves that he has practiced, and he's pra- he's doing them the way that he's practiced, but like he hasn't practiced against other NBA players who are like actually trying to stop him from doing the move. And so uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, in the regular season, I would like to see Andre, as always, focus on the things that makes him great rebounding, uh, finishing around the rim, like uh, uh, as a result of like assists instead of like him trying to create his own shots around the basket. Co-sign 100%. You're absolutely right. Yeah. All right, Ben, is there anything else you want to talk about on the, well, you know, we got to give a shout out to Bruce Brown and, uh, this is something I think you recognize during summer league, the way he played against Cleveland in the fourth quarter, He's showing some things with the ball in his hand that I was skeptical he was going to be able to pull off outside of summer league. So uh, if if Bruce Brown has taken a legitimate step forward offensively, I think the Pistons have actually kind of a scary backcourt, right? I mean, you don't have anybody who's you know threatening the all-star team necessarily, but you will have four guys that you have to account for at all times. Um, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, too soon to say for sure, but I definitely like uh, some of that Bruce Brown basketball that you called out this summer. Yeah, he's definitely, and you talked like you talked about last week. It's not that he has so much improved as a ball handler. It's not that he's like putting together like Kyrie Irving esque combinations and like blowing guys away. He's just like getting an advantage and uh, getting the first step on guys and and uh, forcing the defense to react to that. Like that's not going to last forever. Teams are going to probably play off him a little bit more, give him a cushion for him to drive into. Uh, but at the same time, as long as he can make plays and uh, find guys that are open, I definitely think that he can at least be part of a, a functional starting unit. Which is, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's there's like two or three people on the uh, on the board who think like just Bruce Brown's the worst offensive player ever. And it's like no, like he can he can he can be effective. He can have success. It's just that that success is just 
uh, atypical of what a, a normal shooting guards uh, starting lineups success looks like. It's more, I think if you think of him as an off guard, as opposed to a shooting guard, right? Like you change, I know that's just terminology, but if you change your mentality and expectations are all what he's going to give you, I think you can appreciate it more. No, that definitely makes sense. And, uh, was uh, was there anything else that I wanted to mention? I don't really think so. I think uh, I was expecting you to mention Bruce Brown because uh, I, I, but I don't know. I had to put that out there. He's he's been playing good basketball. He has been. And, you know, for me, I guess this is just this is what I expected, right? Like this isn't notable. This is yep. what I saw. <laughs> so, I, I don't get to pat my own back. I get maybe That's I should. I should take my victory lap. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I think I don't know when the uh, the guarantee dates are for the contracts. I think they are the uh, the twenty first, and so hopefully we get a roster decision before then. Um, I'll be very curious to see how that plays out, and obviously uh, we'll talk about that on the, on the podcast whenever it becomes uh, applicable. But uh, for now, uh, this I think that's pretty much it. Ben, uh, what what's the plan? How's uh How's everything going with Michigan football? Give them your social media. Tell them what's up. <laughs> Michigan football. Boy, does their offense suck. Holy cow. Oh, Just I know that feeling. Illinois. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> that was rough for the Sparties this weekend, <laughs> I tell you. Um, yeah, at, at BR Golker on Twitter. Uh, you know what? This this game against Cleveland this last week, uh, this is the first time I got my, my new boy. He's about three months old right now. Um, got to snuggle in with him and watch the entire second half with him just chilling with me on the lazy boy. And it just felt right. Like it was just, just, just perfect. So if you want some uh, dad life pictures, watching the Pistons hit me up on Twitter. That is nice when he like, doesn't interrupt you the entire thing. <laughs> exactly. Half. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, uh, if you want to commiserate with me about the Michigan state offense, you can do so at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. All right, this has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week.